The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, uh, so the topic is compassion, and uh, we're going to do more meditation on compassion today than we. That's kind of the, especially in the morning, and um, but I wanted to say a few things about uh, compassion. First, it's a part of the Brahma Viharas, and the. Uh, Sometimes vihara is described as an abode, a place to live, but it's an attitude with which to live. And Brahma is considered something that's supreme or wonderful, a wonderful way to live, wonderful attitude to have. And there's four of them. And the first is loving-kindness. And in our tr- particular Buddhist tradition, that loving-kindness is seen as the basis for compassion. It's a basic warm-heartedness, warmth, human warmth, human kindness, friendship, heartfelt connection to others. That is the basis for then feeling compassion when compassion is the appropriate attitude to have. So if uh, you're feeling, if someone is feeling suffering, then that basic empathy or warmth is transformed into... um, into compassion, which is a simple way of describing what compassion is, <clears throat> is the desire or the wish, empathic desire and wish for someone to not suffer, for the suffering to be to come to an end or to be alleviated. Um, but how any individual person, any of you, experience compassion will vary quite a bit. And I think it's important not to imagine that there is a right way to be compassionate and you just happen not to know what it is. And you have to kind of, because, you know, you never know, you're never right. Some people, have, you know, some people, you know, it's very easy to have the attitude that they're never quite doing it right or the grass is always greener somewhere in some other person's heart. And, um, and, um, or it's supposed to look like somebody or something. But I think every individual person will experience or feel compassion in different ways. It comes through different channels. There's different intelligences that operate in the human being. And so how those intelligences come to play for compassion, you know, is varies from person to person. Someone who, some people maybe are the primary vehicle for how they experience the world is through what they, their emotions. And so compassion is really emotional for them. Someone else, a primary vehicle for their, how they feel, or how they you know, go through the world is through their thoughts. And um, they think about things. That's how they know things. And I mean, sometimes in spiritual circles, they're kind of, kind of a little bit critical of people being too much in your head. But we have to be very careful not to do that because that's how some people's kind of way, their, their whole way of experiencing life is very much through thoughts and just... You know, it's a way of do, it's a way of being a human being. It's okay, and so compassion comes through that vehicle, through that thinking. Some people are more in their body. Some people less. Some people visualize easily, and so compassion comes very much through the sort of vehicle of some uh, vision, some, some vision, you know, some image they have. It's pro- often can be part of it. Some people 
uh, they have their life experiences that they relate to compassion, um, that are related to compassion. So some people will have really powerful, maybe, images of a compassionate person or experiencing compassion. Some people have had powerful images of experiencing cruelty, difficulty, that conditions them how they go through this. Some people... So I'm trying to say, there's so many different ways. And so for you to be a little bit relaxed about how it comes up for you in the course of the day. I like to say that with any of these Brahma-viharas, the kindness, compassion, um, um, it's good enough to... I was going to say it differently. When you do a visualization practice, um, trying to visualize, some people don't visualize very well. And I like to say, it's good enough to imagine you're visualizing. <laughs> and for some people, th- that, that kind of re- reduces some kind of burden of idea that it's supposed to you know, be a certain vis- strong vision or you know, tech, you know, technicolor. Or and just imagining that you're visualizing you know, and then it takes away that pressure to actually see something. <laughs> so imagining you're compassionate... <laughs> Imagining you know what it is, you know, or having some vague hint, that's enough. You know, it can be plenty. And as I, I think I said last time we met, uh, I don't actually know what compassion is, even I'm going to teach you today. And, uh, and the idea of not telling you that I don't know what it is, is I really don't know what it is. But, but it also is not to kind of some fixed idea that has to be a particular thing. So we say, you know, compassion is the desire, heartfelt desire to for the ending of suffering for someone. One definition of, of compassion is that it's the quivering of the heart in the relationship to suffering of someone else, quivering of the open, relaxed heart. But even you know, those definitions, you know, I don't think that they easily map one-to-one correspondence with actually how, what goes on inside of us when we feel it. So, so by saying, I don't know what it is, hopefully makes it easier for you to find your way and be relaxed about how your way is today. Compassion sometimes is, is seen as being <clears throat> a very significant spiritual practice or in Buddhism, Buddhist terminology, a very significant aspect of the path to liberation because it's one of the very powerful attitudes that helps um, lessen self-centeredness selfishness. As we feel compassionate, it's really feeling something for the welfare of someone else who's suffering, independent of, you know, what it is for you personally, you know, what in terms of your own selfish desires and something. And there's often a giving up of selfishness in acting compassionately in the world or being compassionate. And it's a beautiful, it can be a beautiful thing to have that happen. So in um, thinking about compassion and what it is, the idea in Buddhism, Buddhist practice of compassion, is that compassion is part of an open heart or a relaxed heart or a heart at ease. And the compassion is not meant to distress us, not meant to be a burden and this way, the way of feeling compassion that is heart-opening or relaxing or easeful, to be easeful in compassion, 
even when, when the suffering we're encountering is very strong, is a foreign idea for, for some people. They just don't know how that to do that. Partly because there's all these assumptions or ideas that in order to be caring for someone, we have to be distressed ourselves. That, you know, we have to be kind of, you know, worrying or something. And to be completely relaxed and open and peaceful, you know, it feels like, but then we're not really connected to the suffering. We're not really involved in it. And we're kind of aloof then or indifferent. And how can that really work? So that's one of the things to, you know, to explore, to feel feel your way through as we go through this day. Um... So here's a thought exercise. You can imagine it. Use your, if you want to close your eyes as you think of this, you can, or you don't have to. But um, see if you can remember, if, or if it's ever happened, maybe it hasn't happened for you, but some situation where you've uh, been in the presence of a baby or a small child who was crying. Clearly some kind of distress, but crying. But the situation was not dire or serious. And you know that it's for babies. They cry really easily because it's the only way they have to communicate what they want, what they need. And you know you can provide the child with what the child needs. So you're there, present, you feel the suffering, the distress of the child, because the child's hungry or sleepy or, or, you know, perhaps the teddy bear you brought as a gift is a little bit too big. And so the baby's a little bit frightened by this teddy bear. So you know it's a safe situation for the child. It's a, and so you're relaxed. You know it's not a big, this is not a big deal. This is, you know, it's okay. And you so, but you have some compassion for sure. And you go to comfort the child. Maybe you, the baby, you, your baby's tired, so your baby's crying. So you rock the baby in your arms until it falls asleep. You're not distressed by this. If anything... It feels comforting for you to be able to comfort a crying baby like this. You care, you're, you're, there's this off, soft opening, relaxed heart, gentleness, a love, a sweetness. You know, you're concerned, you're connected, there's compassion for you from you, but there's a warm feeling for you to have this in connection to this situation which is, you know, relatively benign, safe. So if, you, if this kind of idea, somehow or other, you can find your way in it. What's the feeling of compassion like in this kind of situation? How is that? How does it feel in your heart, in your body, in your mind? What kinds of distress are absent 
in this kind of simple way of being present for someone. Okay, so you can open your eyes if you close your eyes. And um, we're going to try today, from now on, on Fridays, these Dharma practices, to do this Aikido move with the blowers outside. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, not to do meditation when, we're, when they're blowing. And, you know, because you know, I think... So here they come. So... Um, so, but I'd like to hear from some of you a little bit that compassion in that kind of situation, if that worked for you, a baby who's, you know, ordinary, you know, distress of a baby crying, she's tired and just needs to be held and comforted in a situation where you're not distressed because of that. You know what it's all about. And um, so maybe you had a different scenario in your mind or something like that, but what does it feel like, the compassion in that kind of situation? If you can use the mic. Well, I just think of uh, you know being a loving parent. Uh, my kids are grown now, but I remember when they were little, and yeah, that feeling of just I'm okay. I'm even slightly sort of amused and happy and joyful, uh, but there, you know. <laughs> crying, and, and that's okay, just to soothe them, and, uh, you know, one of the practices I work on these days, which this is very synergistic with, is, is being that kind of loving parent to myself when I'm upset, I'm stressed, or what, you know, Rick, what is it you're feeling, you know, and just have that for myself, too. Great. Thank you. I have a question about uh, whether compassion implies doing something, action. In, this, in your example, uh, you comfort the baby. You don't just stand there and empathize. So does compassion, in your view, imply action on your part? It doesn't have to. So, for example, uh, you could be with uh, a parent and a child, and... The parent and the child sees a teddy bear is a little bit too big and cries and goes running to the parent. And you feel the, the child's crying, it's upset, maybe a little bit afraid. And, um, and, but you, you know, it's just, this is, you know, this, and you see the mother's there and you see that the, the parent's going to comfort and hold and reassure the child. And you, you feel compassion for the situation, for the child. But nothing's required, no action's required for you because the mother or parent's taking care of it. But if the mother isn't there? I think if, the, if a baby is crying in the set and the mother is not there, first you have to make sure that it's not crying because of you. <laughs> and, uh, but maybe then, you know, I mean, you... Um, you know, I hope I hope that we act. I'm not supposed to be callous and just kind of sit there and go, okay, this is a perfect time to do compassion meditation. <laughs> and let's just sit, close my eyes and sit there and let the baby cry. Well, I'm just trying to broaden it to, to a generality, if that's possible. But I, actually, what I'd prefer right now 
is to stay with a question. So have you had the experience of the, this kind of compassion that I'm talking about, of being with someone? When, and what did it feel like for you to have that? Um, in a sense, I feel relieved because I don't have to act. Uh, but I feel warm and sympathetic uh-huh. to so the warm situation. and sympathetic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Thank you. What I noticed was I could stay with the c- compassion itself rather than getting distracted with the distress. And that was a really good analogy for it because I find myself getting distressed and getting knocked off. Uh-huh. The sense of compassion that's arising and the distress kind of takes over. Great. So, so you, in, the, in the exercise, you could imagine a situation where it, it just simple compassion without it falling into distress because the situation is basically fine. It's, and you could feel the compassion then just be there in a simple way. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Thanks. So behind you. Oh. Um, I, I noticed when you say, how do you feel? It's like I just really noticed there was an ease to my breath. There was an opening in the heart. And then I actually even recognized my head felt more lighter, that there's actually my mind opened up. And it has more clarity. So it's like we were talking last week, the chitta. It's like my heart and mind wisdom is, is opening and seeing it has more availability. Beautiful. So and when you're distressed, the, the heart and mind closes down usually. We're contracted. So over here. Um, I, yeah, I, for me it was important being able to act a little bit or to help the baby because um, like I have a younger brother who's 10 years younger so I used to take care of him a lot and um, being able to be useful and being able to help the other person did alleviate this sense of like pure like just distress something I felt like okay this is fine and I can help and so that was for me the being able to help was what made it was what made me able to be compassionate without being distressed. Uh-huh. And when I think about other things that make me distressed, uh, often it's a sense of not being able to help the situation that prevents you from being compassionate because I feel almost afraid that, that being compassionate will kind of, the sense of suffering will kind of overwhelm you because you can't do anything to help. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Good, thank you. There's someone else about how it feels to have this simple compassion that's at all here. Simple compassion with... Um, what came to mind were two situations where that feeling arose recently. And um, there's kind of a quality of sadness, or like kind of a, and a pleasantness and the sadness and the feeling the sadness and also feeling the holding of the sadness. And then in recalling this recently with somebody at work, this feeling of they're pointing to the suffering of their person. Oh, yeah, like, it's like this. There's a, a sense of affinity, you know, and the baby is, in the hypothetical, the baby's crying, but mention the suffering, oh, it's like that. It's, yeah, it's sad, it's unpleasant, and it's something almost have felt. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know, that, yeah, it's like that. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. Uh-huh. Okay, great. Thank you. So here. Uh, I'm also a parent, and as 
you describe. Um, so I, I have. Uh, <clears throat> it's easy for me to uh, imagine the situation you described with the baby, and to me the feeling is, uh, it feels natural and also nurturing. But when I thought about, well, what about with an adult, or not with a teddy bear, perhaps, <laughs> situation, but in a situation where I've been able to help or ease someone where it wasn't a stressful situation, it, it's the same feeling to me. Uh, and I think, um, yeah, maybe that's nice. It, it is, the way I see it, it is a natural thing yeah. as humans. Wonderful. So a natural, natural, a natural response. Yeah. Good. So maybe one more here, and that one is. Um, for me, there's a, like a sense of letting go or freedom. There's a sense of um, forgetting of myself, mm-hmm. which is wonderfully e- comfort. Uh, just feels like freedom mm-hmm. because the, I don't know. It's, it's sort of what the, similar to what this other person was saying about chitta, but there's. Um, all I can say is there's a sense of ease in letting go of my selfhood in yeah. that compassion. Beautiful. So what I was trying to convey here with the same image of a little baby whose situation is pretty benign, the baby's clearly suffering, but you know, you, that's what babies do, right? I mean, half the time, <laughs> you know, a certain percentage of the time because they get hungry, they get tired, they have their diapers changed. I mean, they're kind of like, you know, and that's the way they communicate. And so you know you can take care of them, and it's actually in that kind of simple situation. Or it could be someone at work who has a challenging thing, they're, they're struggling with something, but you know, you feel for them, you feel compassion for them, but you know that, they ha- that the situation requires them to figure it out on their own, and you're confident they can. It's like, you know, my 13-year-old at home, right? There's, he gets distressed sometimes over some schoolwork, but I know he can do it, and I know the best thing for me to do is get out of the way. It, it'll be fine, but he's going to be a little bit upset for 10 minutes, uh, discouraged or something. So I feel compassion. I feel for him. Um, but, you know, it's, nothing's required for me. And uh, actually to interfere would actually make things worse. And so it's very easy to feel comforting, wanting to comfort someone or care for them. And... and, um, and um, so I'm hoping you have some, some reference point for that kind of simple, simple compassion. Uh, where there's Now, in that simple compassion, the suggestion I have is that then we feel connected to the person. We feel, you know... When we get distressed, when we get worried, when we get concerned with all the strategies of how can we help? What do we have to do here? Then the attention has left the person. And the attention now, or the you know, primary attention, the focus now, is on something different than the person. Now it's on our distress, or our concerns, or our worry, or our strategies, or our fixing kind of, fix-it kind of mental state. So we've lost touch with, in a certain kind of way, you've lost touch with a person. Even though you think you're still in touch because you're thinking about the person. Your distress is, con- your distress is connected to the person. But, but the, your primary focus is no longer the person. You, it's, 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 your, your focus on the person is through these other routes. You understand that? 
So to do compassion meditation is to keep the attention, the focus on the person. And to keep it, uh, try, try, I mean, it's a practice, not easy to do. That's why it's called a practice. But to, f- to explore and develop, how can you keep this open, relaxed, soft heart or connection to the person? How could you keep it this simple presence, simple attention, without it, it becoming contracted or distressed or worried or about you or about fixing it or doing something? But keeping that... Uh, and, and with that, with, and with a connection to the person, there could be very nice feelings that you feel because one of the primary movements of compassion is wanting to comfort. Soothe and comfort uh, is kind of like a basic approach. Now, you know, sometimes your compassion doesn't lend itself to go over and giving someone a hug, soothing and comfort that way. Perhaps you have to you send a donation to, you know, a charity that's going to help someone. Be, that's the way you do it. But the basic kind of instinct, I think, of compassion is, soothe, is, is, is approach and soothe, approach and comfort. And approaching that kind of approach and comfort uh, feels nice. The simple of it, as I said last time, it's maybe it's kind of like petting a cat. You know, who benefits when you pet the cat? It's on your lap, and you know you're petting the cat. Um, you know, the cat benefits, it's purring, but, you know, it feels pretty good to be the petter. So, the same thing with simple compassion um, is that, I, call, I, like, I think I'll use the word simple compassion a lot today because simple, is direct, the simple thing that, that the heart is capable of and the task of compassion practice is to begin expanding that sense of compassion wider and wider wider field, including having that kind of, in meditation, that kind of open, simple, direct compassion, even for people who are suffering greatly, in great difficulty. It's not easy to do this. And it's so easy for us to fall back on old habits about... Uh, that have to do with distress and worry and expectation and, um, and what's required and what I have to do and the actions that have to be done and, and simple compassion meditation is not enough. I have to now figure out what, you know, how to act in the world. And, you know, there's all, these, all these voices and ideas can come in that when we do, we've lost touch with the object of attention, which is the person we have the compassion for. There are huge questions around compassion, about action and how do we act, when do we act. And I think for today, that's not the topic. So you're now been liberated from those kinds of, (laughs) for the next few hours, from those hugely important topics. Because today the focus is going to be, a good part of the day will be on the meditation practice of karuna, of compassion. And that meditation practice <clears throat> is about building the simple compassion that has to do with you know, approach and comfort, approach and soothe, or, or just be, feel this open-heartedness, or this connectedness, this concern, this care, 
without any contraction, without any losing touch with a person and, and, and then getting caught up in all the ideas and distress and worries. And, or so, sometimes what we're feeling someone else's pain takes us is to our own pain. It kind of resonates with our own pain that's maybe similar. And so rather, that's one of the causes for distress is, when, is it because we really were distressed about our own unresolved pain. So there's a lot of care and, and, uh, that needs to go into compassion practice. It's not always easy. And it's something that slowly over time you get to work with this aspect of yourself, work with these aspects of yourself, work with, you know, with your own ch- challenges and difficulties with it. But I'm hoping that this introduction encourages you, supports you, to keep falling back on simple compassion for the today. A simple openness, connectedness. And no matter how strong the suffering is that you look at, that somehow you're willing to open and stay present and let the goodness of your heart just be present in an open, clear way and then see where it goes from there. Make some sense? So finally, final thing I'll say is the word, uh, the Sanskrit word for compassion, Pali Sanskrit is karuna. And it comes from the root, kri. And it's said to have the same root as karma. And so... Karuna is not, and there's another word, as I said last time, for compassion in Buddhism called Anukampa. Anukampa is <clears throat> the compassion that you would have in engaging and acting in the world. Karuna, in the earliest Buddhist tradition, is that compassion connected to, that you cultivate in meditation. So the simple compassion. But in calling, in having the root kri, and they've been connected to karma. Karma doesn't mean just action. It means, uh, back in the ancient time, meant um, a sacred action, the ritual action of the, of the ancient Indian religions. So there's something about karuna, it's like sacred compassion. It's a, it's a special religious or holy compassion, as opposed to anukampa, which is, uh, which is the compassion that um, maybe comes out of karuna, but it's actually the one that motivates action in the world. So with that as introduction, um, we will take a break so that, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll do a, start doing meditations on compassion, slowly building over time how we do this, provided that the blowers are not blowing. <coughs> if they're blowing still when we come back from the break, Then we'll do something else until they stop blowing.